Can you believe that it's been only four years since Pope Francis was elected Pope? Doesn't it feel like he's been Pope forever? Well, that's probably because he's been busy from restructuring Vatican departments and writing apostolic exhortations and encyclicals to several overseas journeys and the fact that he's in the news, not just Catholic news, but in secular news all the time. I was trying to think of the one thing that makes me like this Pope more than others. Maybe it's because I see in his style a style very similar to mine. In how he relates to people, how authentic he is when he speaks, what you see is what you get. I think that people really feel they can relate to him. I can. I feel that he's real. He smiles and laughs, even jokes around. He speaks his mind. Sometimes he gets angry, and if he's saddened by something, he says it. He's not afraid to show emotion. He calls himself a sinner and is not afraid to be seen going to confession. Above all, he loves being with people. I don't know if that makes him a great pope, but it definitely inspires me to be more authentic and present to those around me. And that makes me a better Christian. Thank you and happy anniversary, Pope Francis. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to another all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. And I'm Emily Callen. I'm Billy Chan. Hello. It's all three Hello. of us are here in the studio uh, once again. Uh, for those who maybe missed last week, welcome Billy Chan. Thank you. Billy Thank you. is our latest addition to the Salt and Light Hour executive team. Really? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> now, now, can you believe that it's been four years that... We've had Pope Francis. Yeah, I saw I that know, on that's Facebook. Incredible. Yeah, like I still remember where I was when I first heard about his election. Really? Well, actually, I think I it's was in f- Montreal. Actually, a friend oh, texted yeah. it to me. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah She's uh, like, "How are you not paying attention?" <laughs> yeah, and you <laughs> no, weren't. Really. No, but I wanted <clears> to share you with you guys. Um, I I I got a poem, um, written by a six-year-old. So. Chiara Valenti, who you guys know who she is because she's the daughter of one of our editors here, Richard. Um, she wrote this, we were talking about Pope Francis and uh, how it's his anniversary. And she wrote this poem. And I totally have to share this with, with you guys and with our listeners. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. Maybe it'll inspire people to write their own poems about Pope Francis. When Pope Francis was a boy, did he throw a toy? Did he say no way when it was time to pray? Now that he is Pope, he won't say nope to the cross <laughs> he has to carry for love of Jesus and Mary. That's beautiful. Oh. Isn't that amazing? That's it's incredible. so cute. <laughs> so cute. But it's also profound. I that was just going to say, it is very it, profound. It's very profound. Like, I don't know how a six-year-old thinks about carrying the cross for love of Jesus and Mary. I still throw a toy now. <laughs> but <laughs> even, you know, even even responding to, you know, having to pray, did he say no way? It's kind of like, well, <laughs> well yeah. how, how does a pope grow up, right? Like, what was he like as I a child? I can totally really imagine good... Pope Francis throwing a toy or two. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so anyway, maybe that inspires uh, uh, Billy and Emily and all our listeners to write a little poem in in in, in commemoration of uh, Pope Francis's anniversary <laughs> um, and maybe people can also write to us and share their thoughts on Pope Francis do you like him do you not like him why <laughs> okay so write to us you can email radio at saltandlighttv.org or through Facebook or Twitter I'm Deacon Pedro GM at Emmy Callen so Emily on Twitter. Is at Emmy Callen and you. Mine are. is more complicated. Yo, jeez, in Chinese. B Joe Chen. So the letter B. B, Joe 
J-O-E? J-O-E. C-H-A-N. Yeah, B. Joe Chan. We're going to put all that on our website, so somewhere on our website, so it's really easy to find. Okay, so we need to uh, move on here because today, I don't know, Emily, what, any headlines that we're gonna, that you need to a tell few. us? A few, yes. It was a slow week last week because the Pope okay. was on Lenten retreat, right. but we still have some things to share. Okay, good. Definitely. Okay, and you're going to tell us later. Okay. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Means, See, that means she's not going to tell us now, she's well, going to no, tell us later. Well, no, I mean, because then, you know, I mean, then I, then then I just get done. into it now. Yeah, Okay, exactly. no, no worries. Okay, and then after, Billy has a question for all of us dummies. Yes. Should I say it now? Or do you know later? what the question? Do you know what it is? Do uh, Do I know what this is? This is the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will keep it later. Okay, so okay. later on, so after the news, Billy will be back with Church for Dummies, and after that, Sister Marie Paul Curley will be back. She has five films that we watch that we sh- must watch this Lent. So Lenten films with Sister Marie Paul Curley. That's in about fifteen minutes, and then Sebastian will be speaking with Cardinal Peter Turkson. You guys know who Peter Turkson is, right? He's the Cardinal in charge of, of the the, the new dicastery that promotes integral human development. Yes. So he used to be the, the president of the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace that merged. So anyway, they're going to be talking about Laudato Si. You guys know about the encyclical. Environmental? The, yes, the, envir- mm. the environmental encyclical, the encyclical <laughs> about caring for our common home. So that's uh, at the end of the first half hour. And then in our second half hour, We'll be having two guests actually here in the studio, which is very exciting. Now that we have a studio, we can have guests in the studio. Um, they're going to tell yes. us inspiring stories of young people in the church. Okay, contrary to popular belief, I'm sure you've all heard people say that young people are not in the church. Mm. But that's not my experience. Actually. I'm still young. Billy's young and he's in the church. <laughs> um, anyway, Sister Mactilde O'Mara and Vanessa Nicholas Schmidt, um, yeah. um, they run a ministry in Toronto called Faith Connections for Young Adults. And they're going to be here in person to tell us all about that ministry and about a book that they wrote about these stories of, of young people in the church. That's in, in about half an hour. And then at the end of the program, we're going to get to speak to Daniel Oberruder. I think I'm pronouncing Daniel's name right. He's the front man of the Catholic band The Thirsting. This is the band that I did not know about. I just found out about them about a month ago. Um, but we're going to feature them today. They're a featured band for us uh, uh, here at the Salt and Light Hour. Um, So we're going to start with a song, as we always do. Here's Stars by The Thirsting from their album Universal Youth.
That was The Thirsting with Stars from their new album, Universal Youth. And we're going to be speaking with The Thirsting frontman, Daniel Oberroder. Um, that's at the end of the program. And in about five minutes, Church for Dummies with Billy Chan, followed by Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. So stick around. But first, Emily is still here. We got some, not a lot of news, but some news. Some news, yes. Because um, last week, as we know, the Pope was on retreat. Um, so he was he was off, I guess, off duty for the week. Right. Um, but uh, he came back last weekend and um, he... You know, first of all, he did visit a parish, uh, which is something that he's trying to do more of yes. this this year. Is uh, do more pastoral visits around Rome. So he he did that on Sunday. Um, but another thing happened at the Vatican Monday evening, which is a first actually yes. at Saint Peter's. St. Peter's Basilica, Anglican Vespers were celebrated in the Basilica. Wow. Um, and uh, so the they were presided by an Anglican Archbishop from New Zealand, David Moxon, mm-hmm. and Archbishop Arthur Roach, who is the right. Secretary for the Congregation of Divine Right and the Discipline yes. of Sacraments. Yes. Um, he was there as well, and he gave the homily and spoke about ecumenism, and more specifically about a, f- a particular figure, Gregory Pope. Gregory the Great from the yes. 6th century and about his zeal for um, for evangelization and, mm-hmm. and how he should be a model for us to um, to be, you know, servants to one another. So right. that really the key to uh, to unity is to be become as uh, servants to one another. And yeah. so um, maybe just a little bit of advice from, from the Anglican Vespers, but this is, of course, also um, just another another significant activity or event. I think so. I wonder if this is going to become a Lenten thing because in my parish, Mm -hmm. actually, we do this, that all the Christian churches do this little Lenten series and one week is at the Catholic Church, but it's the Pentecostal that preaches and then it's at the Anglican Church and the Catholic preaches and then it's at the Baptist Church and the United preaches and we try to do that for the six weeks of Lent. So maybe maybe there's something there. Maybe this is the beginning of a a tradition. Maybe. For sure. Um, Now, another thing, a couple or one trip was was announced as well um, for the Pope. So in September he will be going to Colombia he'll be exactly he'll be spending four days there and um, so again an important visit Um, there was a peace deal that was recently uh, signed between the government and the revolutionary armed forces of Colombia so the Pope is really going there as a sign of hope to for the Colombians to um, encourage them that they can actually dream of a better country Um, so uh, there are a couple other chips as well that are kind of in the making uh, that are under study and so Uh um, one to Egypt uh, in Cairo Um, there's renewed relations between uh, the University of Al-Azhar over there and uh, the Holy See Right. so the Al-Azhar University is a very um, is an important uh, uh, Sunni um, university Mm -hmm. Um, and potentially one to South Sudan, which would right. be, again, another ecumenical uh, trip for uh-huh. the Pope, um, since the bishops over there asked both Pope Francis and uh, the primate of the Anglican Church, um, Justin Welby, to be a part of this trip. I know. That's, that one's a little more difficult, but uh, mm-hmm. um, it'll be good we'll if see. you can go. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay, that's very good. I know a lot of Colombians are very happy about this trip in September. So Yes. Um, uh, Congratulations to Colombia and uh, maybe Egypt. We don't know about Sudan yet. Um, Mm -hmm. Thank you, Emily. You can watch Emily Callan on Vatican Connections every Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern on Salt and Light TV or also on demand at saltandlighttv.org and also on our Roku channel. 
Hi, this is Josh Blakesley, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You can listen to this program again at saltandlighttv.org slash radio, or you can download the podcast at iTunes. Now it's time for... Church for Dummies! With Billy Chan... Thank you again. Okay, Billy, so what, what question do you have today? Yes, you know, uh, we talked about uh, why do we believe in the Bible last time, right? Yeah. yeah. And you told us that um, we first trust the person. The person that tells us. The person us. that tell, yes. tell us that yeah. we, we call them um, evangelists. Right? Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay, then we find the Bible is trustable, right? Yes, if you trust the person that tells you that the book. But that's where it starts. Okay, and then you need to find and out more. What does, does it mean that, you know, because I, I because of that, uh-huh. because of your answer, I got some question from other people. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. You know, somebody say that, no, no, no. Somebody actually, there was some story about, um, you know, people failed in their lives and they they find hope again in, you know, reading the Bible themselves. Yes. yes. You know, does it mean that, you know, you know, there's something like we, 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 we trust the Bible without other people? You know, things like that? Yeah, you know what you mean, like to to study it with someone else? Mm -hmm. I'm a great believer in not reading the Bible sort of cold, what I would call cold. Okay. Cold reading it by yourself. Yes. Although it is true that the Word of God is alive, and I think that there's great power to just reading Scripture, whether you understand it or not. But a lot of times, and maybe it's because of me and my personality, I like to understand what I'm reading. So Mm -hmm. I will always find a study guide Oh, okay. or something so that I'm reading. You know, like when you get the, the Sunday readings, if yes, you have a reflection yes. on the reading, then you can understand the reading a little better. If you go to Mass, you listen to the readings and you hear the homily, it's like, oh, that's what that meant because it's able to explain it a little, a little better. Yeah, somebody, you know, when I go to Mass, yeah. I read that first. Yes. You read the reflection first. Exactly. Then you go to Mass, you, you understand a lot more. It is, exactly. So, and I have a Bible, I actually have a Catholic study Bible, and it has a whole section at the front that is all historical. So you learn a little bit about the geography. I love looking at maps. Where's Corinth? Oh, yeah. Where's, you know, where was Samaria? Where's Jerusalem? Because it gives me a fuller picture, and then I can understand certain things a little better. Having said that, then yeah, if you can join a Bible study group, or you can, uh, read the Bible with someone else and talk about it, I think that that's a great way to to, to learn about the Bible. Um, but it's important that we're not just trying to figure it out by ourselves. I think you have to find some authority oh. because you could find someone that tells you something that's not right. Like you? <laughs> you can find someone like me that tells you that something's not right. Um, and and so you also want to make sure it's like looking up something in the internet. I always tell people look 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 it up in the internet. Everything's yeah. on Google, but you could find a lot of things that are wrong on of the course. internet. So, so we need somebody. Yes, who knows. or double check your your references. You know, like if you find it in one website, check it in another website. If you find it on ten different websites and they're all Catholic, and one of them is the Vatican website, then that has then more weight. Yes, yes, I see. You know, as we're talking about that, you know, I, I reread the book of Genesis. Okay. You know, I really want to okay. know more <laughs> and find more questions for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when, when I read that, you know, we know God is almighty, right? And he uh-huh. knows everything. Yeah. You know, this is our, our faith, right? Yes. You know, we, we believe that. So, uh, you know, in the first, like, uh, first chapter, yeah. uh, he created Adam and Eve. Yes. And... You know how come he own you know when when he created Adam and he he said that God said that it's not good for man to be alone. Right. And then he created Eve. Eve. Yes. 
from Adam. Yes. By taking one of our ribs. Yes. And to to create 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 his wife. Yes. You know, God should know that before, yes. right? Yeah. Is it because of God's <laughs> imperfection? You know, planning. No. Bad planning, and we lost one bone. No, no, why? no, no. Why no. we lost one bone? Okay, I love it. I love how you you want me to figure out what God was thinking. Um, of course, there's there's no imperfection in God's planning. God's plan is always perfect. Now, the first thing that I'm going to say, and I've told you this before, yes, is that the book of Genesis is not factual truth. It it's didn't, not true. No, it it didn't actually happen. Okay, that's oh. not what the church teaches. Okay, the book of Genesis is a book. It's an allegory to teach us about not how the world was created. But how, how we relate to God what, tells us a little bit about how, how God is. In fact, the first book of Genesis, uh-huh. God is very organized. In the second book of Genesis, God is more personal. He mm. walks in the garden. It tells us a little bit about the relationship between men and women. It tells us a little bit about, about marriage. And then in chapter three, of course, it tells us a little bit about sin and why we sin. So th- it's an allegory to help us understand some of those greater truths. But it doesn't mean that it literally happened. Now, whether, you know, the, the, again, the allegory that, that the woman came from the man's rib is a beautiful allegory because it tells us something about how men and women are to, to relate to each other. So that's how I would answer that. I see. I see. I hope everyone will, you know, understand that, and I hope everyone. Yes, I'm <laughs> sure that this is going to lead to more questions. I know. This is a anyway, lot. There's a lot more questions. There's a lot more questions there. Yes. So thank you. Okay, good. That was a very good question. Thank you, Billy. Billy Chan is a seasoned radio host, and he is the webmaster behind SultanLightTV.org. You can follow him at B Joe Chan. Hi, this is Lorraine Hess, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. If you like this program, please support us financially by becoming a monthly donor through our Guardians program. That will ensure that you can continue to listen to the Salt and Light Hour every week. You can find out more at saltandlighttv.org. And now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister Marie Paul, so good to have you back on the program. It's been a long time. It has, and we've had a lot of really interesting movies pass by during this time that we haven't been able to air. I know, we have, and are any of those movies good movies to watch during Lent? Actually, yes, I think so. I uh, wanted to look at some of the movies that I really enjoyed from 2016, and I found, I noticed the theme of really of witnessing to the truth in okay. these three films. And, you know, it's interesting to me in our world of film and television right now, where fantasy and science fiction and fairy tales are so prevalent, yeah. these three films were made last year that are really depictions of true stories and especially about witnessing to the truth. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so, so what are they? Yeah. So Sully is the first one, uh-huh. and of course it's the true story of the American pilot who became damaged, and so he heroically and amazingly landed on the Hudson River, saving right. the passengers and crew. That's yes. where the movie starts. Yes. So it's witnessing, it becomes an important journey for him to witness to the truth of what happened. You know, his integrity as a pilot, his expertise as a pilot, but what struck me too was his humility witnessing to the truth as well uh, so that other pilots could act freely in the best interest of their passengers. So it's a, it's a beautiful film. It really, it's a fascinating, very well done uh, with great performances, but it's, it's an interesting idea, uh, look at witnessing to the truth, yes. the truth of one historical in, uh, incident 
And then the second movie is Denial. Okay. Now, this is the true story of Deborah Lipstadt, who is an expert historian on the Holocaust, sued for libel by a famous denier of the Holocaust, and it ends up being that she, the burden of proof falls to her, to prove that the Holocaust happened. Now, this is about denying the tragic truth of an event, the horrific event that happened, the Holocaust. Right. And we know that denying, you know, past evils can lead leading them. So it's about how does she witness to the truth? You know, she has to rely on her head and other people and not just follow her impulses. Um, and of course, it's about that self-denial that she has to carry out in witnessing to this truth and enabling the truth to be told, especially by the survivors who want to speak out. So it's really interesting in looking at the role of speaking, the role of silence, um, and it's not self-serving to witness to the truth, especially this kind of a truth that affects an entire people and really ultimately affected the entire world and can affect our future as well. Yeah. So another powerful film about the truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the third film is uh, Silence, uh, the amazing uh, film directed by Martin Scorsese that's based on the novel by Shisaku Endo. It's, it's set in, for those who haven't seen it or read the novel, it's set in the historical event of 17th century Japan during the fierce anti-Catholic persecution. And it's, it's based on one real character uh, and, uh, and a real historical situation. The story itself is dramatized a little bit fictionally in the novel and in the film, of course. And it's two Portuguese Jesuit priests tra- travel to Japan during the persecution to locate another Jesuit, whom they greatly respect, who is a missionary to Japan, who is rumored to have committed apostasy to denying Christ. And they also go to continue that mission of evangelization. Now, it becomes a really an exploration of hidden faith and suffering, and how to witness to Christ in a culture where the person's dignity and freedom is denied, religious freedom is denied, and how that really injures, wounds the human person. And where is Christ in that? And how does one Christ wit? How does one witness to Christ in these circumstances? Uh, where is Christ if one's weakness overcomes you, and so one fails to witness to Christ? It's it's just it's a really beautiful. It's a very powerful film, very disturbing on right. some levels, yeah. but also very moving because we're looking, we're challenged, how can we witness to Christ? Okay, good. So all three yeah, excellent. great watches and for Lent. They, they sound like they'd be great uh, for Lent. I've watched Sully. I haven't seen Denial or Silence, but I've heard great things about it. They're all out on demand. I believe Silence will be out soon on demand so people can uh, can look them up. Thank you, sister. Um, you were cutting out a little, a little bit, but that's because you're not at home. You're in St. Paul, Minnesota doing good work. Um, so apologies to our listeners for the for the little hitches, audio hitches. But thank you, sister, for joining us again and for these great suggestions. Okay, God bless. And we'll, you'll all be in my prayers. Sister Marie Paul Curley is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. You can also follow her at Sister M. Paul. Hi, this is Joe Zambone, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. How are you going to spend the next five minutes of your time? How about listening in, meeting a fascinating person, and learning something relevant that will broaden your perspective? Sit down with Sebastian Gomes and go straight to the heart of the matter. Here's Connect 5. 
Today, Sebastian speaks with Cardinal Peter Turkson, President of the Pontifical Council for Promoting Integral Human Development. They speak about Pope Francis's encyclical Laudato Si. Laudato Si is often referred to as the environment encyclical or the ecology encyclical or even the climate change encyclical, but, but you insist that it is thoroughly a social encyclical. Why do you make that distinction? It's not me. It's, it's, it's not, it's not uh, me making things. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a correction that the Holy Father, Pope Francis, makes, reminding people that it's a social encyclical. It means it's got the same character as previous encyclicals like, you know, Rerum Novarum, which dealt with the Industrial Revolution and everything that it was causing in society. It's, a, it's an, a social encyclical like Populorum Progressio, which is how do we promote you know, the development of people. It's a social encyclical like you know, uh, John Paul's Solicitudo, Race Socialist, concern for you know, uh, things in uh, social, uh, you know, things the same thing. So it's a, it's a social encyclical in this sense that its concern is about the social condition of the human person. But the Pope makes it, you know, makes it that it's not and second on climate change, because that would have required a lot of scientific proving whatever, which is beyond his competence. So he talks about what is within his competence and leaves scientists to talk about what is within their competence. But there is a lot of science, relatively speaking, in this encyclical, more than in a lot of other encyclicals. We don't think about the dialogue that the church has with science often when we think about and talk about encyclicals. So what was, what was that dialogue like when you were referring to and referencing, and the Pope was looking at all of the current, most up-to-date science on, on environmental issues. The Pope invites uh, various sectors of society to come together to talk. It's like we're facing a global situation. All of us, therefore, need to come together, share various points of views towards finding a solution. And so he invites to all kinds of dialogue between, on international level, regional level, local level, between faith groups and between faith and science. And in this regard, Pope Benedict already you know, says, says, says the pace and says the example. In his last day of Assisi, organized under his pontificate, I mean, Benedict XVI, that thing was not a pilgrimage of faith. What he decided to celebrate was you know, faith and reason in pilgrimage for the truth. And so that was Benedict affirming in a very strong way that both science and faith are in search of the truth. And that's how they can come together to walk together in search of the truth. And that kind of thing is what the encyclical also is promoting. The encyclical has gotten so much publicity, not only in, in religious press, Catholic mm -hmm. media, but in secular press as well. Have you been surprised at how... No, no, yes, because I think it's pertinent. It's, be, it's, it's a question of its relevance and, and, and it's, you know, pertinence to whatever. It's just that, you know, it, it, it came out and addressed issues which were current. The UN was struggling, not struggling, but UN had been dealing with the issue of sustainability and set up the climate, you know, uh, you know UNEP, uh, a, special, a special session on environmental, you know, protection and care. So it was something that humanity itself was dealing with. Okay, so the Pope weighs in on this to bring their contribution of faith, their conviction of faith and inspiration of faith to a discussion which the whole world or humanity was dealing with. So that's, 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 that's when, you know, uh, uh, that's how that then, you know, got, got popular. Then, you know, following the event in Cup, you know, France, in Paris, 
in December, last December, at the COP21, where nations had gathered to try to commit to, you know, I said a redecision not to, you know, not to exceed two degrees, but thanks, you know, thanks be to God, we got 5.5. So we went even lower than what we went in the bargaining for. But again, we recognize that this 1.5 will still not make any change unless we commit to reducing carbon emission, you know, by the middle of the, of the, of the century. So, yes, we've committed to something, but whatever we've committed to needs a lot of follow-up action. And it's again in this regard that the emphasetica provides a moral booster to allow people to be, you know, to, to, to stick with their conviction, either from faith point of view, or moral point of view, or even religious and scientific points of view. That was Sebastian Gomes speaking with Cardinal Peter Turkson. You can watch this and more interviews at saltandlighttv.org slash connect5 and also on our Roku channel. Coming up in our second half hour, Portraits of Young Faith, and we meet the Catholic rock band The Thirsting, so stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm not surprised when I hear comments about how young people are not in church, but I get to go to a lot of Catholic parishes all over, and that is certainly not my experience. The Catholic Church is full of young people and young families. There's a lovely book now that offers to us the experiences from over a dozen young Canadian Catholics who embrace the faith and are living it today. Portraits of Faith was compiled by Sisters, Sister of St. Joseph MacTilde O'Mara and Vanessa Nicholas Schmidt, who've been working with young adults through the ministry of the Sisters of St. Joseph in Toronto called Faith Connections. And to tell us more, I'm very happy to welcome Sister MacTilde O'Mara and Vanessa Nicholas Schmidt, to the Salt and Light Hour. Well, welcome both of you to the program. Thank you, Pedro. So Thank good. And you. I've known both of these ladies for a long time, so it's very fun to have you here in the Salt and Light Hour studio with us. Um, sister, tell me, why did you want to put this book together? Well, the initiative came from Joe Sinisak of Novalis. Right, he's the publisher? Who, yes, and he wanted to... Um, counteract the feelings of distress that some older Christians experience in um, thinking that maybe young people aren't still practicing the faith. Okay. And so we agreed to do it, and we did it. (laughs) So was it it the idea that to, to actually do what you ended up with, compile stories of young Catholics? Yes, what he asked us to do was to gather 15 essays by a variety right. of young men and women, single, married, religious, um, and to to put together their essays in uh, uh, in a book. Right. And Vanessa, how difficult was it, or how easy was it to find these these stories? We found it really quite easy um, because we are so blessed to work with young people who are engaging their faith on a number of levels at different stages of the journey. Sister McTilde is a retired classic 
professor, and so yeah. she knew many students throughout right. the years. But we also know many young adults at Faith Connections, so we reached out to our network to ask young adults to write essays. Some of them are, were really excited and said yes with joy right away. Right. And others said, ooh, I don't know if I'm holy enough to write an essay like that. And it took some gentle coaxing to convince them that, yes, we did want to hear their stories well, as well. Yeah. And you're, you're, you call them essays, and I guess they're essays. But, I mean, really, it's like it's, 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 it's a little story. It's like this is something about – it's a very personal story. And I think that can be very – I guess, dangerous, (laughs) (laughs) intimate for some people. That's what Joe Sinisak sees it as an effective vehicle for evangelization when people tell their genuine experience of God. Okay, you've both, I mean, obviously we've mentioned Faith Connections and Vanessa, you mentioned Faith Connections again. So tell me a little bit about Faith Connections before we move on. So Faith Connections is a ministry of the Sisters Essentials of Toronto, part of Font Bond Ministries, Mm -hmm. and it was founded in 2005. The sisters, as they were moving out of institutional ministries in the schools and hospitals, were moving back to their grassroots ministries. And so as they were doing some praying and reflecting on that, they identified young adults, people in their 20s and 30s, as a population in spiritual need. Uh And so that's where the vision for Faith Connections came from. It's a ministry that outreaches to 18 to 39-year-olds to support them on their faith journey, both by connecting them with resources and by offering programming for them. So what kinds of programs do you do? Our most popular program is Theology on Tap. That's not our baby. It comes out of the Archdiocese of Chicago. Um, But we gather in pubs for speakers on faith and justice issues. The sisters buy the wings and pizza and the young adults buy their own drinks. Yes. But we also have other programmings like Hike and Prayer, Mm -hmm. Christ and Culture, Catholic Speed Dating Nights. Right. um, All sorts of fun things. Right. And do you get to, I mean, because I've been to some of your events, Theology on Tap being one of them. And uh, do you, I don't get it. I mean, other than meeting other young adults that maybe share the same faith, I mean, that's sort of the extent of my participation. But in your experience, do you create relationships with these young adults, sister? We do, both at those wider meetings, but we have more um, smaller groups too. We've, okay. we've worked through Alpha and we okay. the um, so experience alpha. of hike and prayer mm-hmm. we get uh, you know 15 20 30 young people so it's not as large and the consistency of attending means that we get to know some better than others right we run retreats too okay. at like the lenten listening which is individually directed retreats for uh, people in this age group and again we get 25 or so um, participants each year having spiritual direction and that's been a very good experience for many of them. So you have a lot of experience with this particular age group. What would you say, Sister, um, draws young people to the church or young adults to the church? Well, I hope that we can have an opportunity to ask them directly that question because we're looking forward to the synod on the right. uh, vocation and discernment yes. and youth. And I think that well, I'd like young people to talk themselves about what it is they're looking for. But one of the things I see is that many of them are going through many transitions, um, leaving their home family, their home parish, where often going to Mass on Sundays is much a social event as it is a religious event. Right. And when they come away from that, to the big city, they can feel very lonely. 
Mm-hmm. And I've noticed in one parish where some of the young people are ushers, they invite the young people whom they see coming along yeah. to come afterwards for coffee with them right. and link them with us and with their own um, movie nights or whatever. Yeah. And so I think it's it's the community aspect is what they need. Right. And and you're right. I mean, that is that is an age group, at least in my experience, that that's where there's not usually something available for, for people in the parishes. And that's why we got into it. Yeah. Okay. Vanessa, what would you say if a faith leader was here, if the Pope was here, if you went to the Synod? So, uh, we, We're open. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Synod. So this is the next Synod. It's going to be next... 2018. 2018, October, um, and as Sister mentioned, the, the, the topic will be uh, vocations, but also youth and discernment, discernment for vocations for youth, but not just that, but also youth. <laughs> this is, it's not as complicated as I just explained <laughs> it. Um, so if you were there, what would you say, Vanessa, that faith leaders, pastors can do to engage and inspire young adults? As Sister McTilde said, I think the first step in being with young adults is listening, asking them what they're looking for. Because in our experience, we've had the opportunity to speak at different conferences and such. Mm -hmm. What we hear from people at those conferences is that the need of young adults is so different in different places. You know, here in the GTA, in a large urban center, the needs, maybe you feel isolated in the busyness, you know, so maybe the need is to make personal relationships. But if you're out in the country and you have to drive, you know, an hour to get to and you know you're maybe not going to draw 100 people to theology on tap yeah no that's my so problem what are what are the needs of young people in different areas and we need to be asking young adults themselves and so the way to do that is to start to reach out you meet one young adult and you ask them to introduce you to 10 other young adults and then you try and talk to the parents whose young adults are no longer going to church and also be meeting them for coffee because we need to be hearing both from those we find in the pews but we also need to hear from those who self-identify as Catholic, uh-huh. but are no longer in the peace. Right, that's true. There's a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Um, who would you say, Sister, that this book is for? Because, I mean, it's lovely to read these stories. Um, maybe they can inspire. But, I mean, is it a book for someone like me that I'm already involved in the church? Is it a book for everybody? Is it for other young people? Who's this book for? Well, you should definitely read it if you haven't yet. Oh, I have. Okay. <laughs> um, we think it it's... I have found that it's been warmly received, and it's been received not only by young people for whom it was partly it was written for them, okay. and it was written as a means, too, of consolidating the faith of the writers, because very often when people try to communicate the faith, they become stronger in it themselves. Right. So that's aspect... Vanessa, maybe you'd tell uh, Pedro about the experience of the older people that read. So um, we were blessed at our book launch that many people came and we heard from people after that book launch about reading it. And one woman who's a senior said to me, I walked into the sitting room one afternoon and found my husband stretched out on the couch reading your book with tears running down his face. And she said, I didn't. I just walked back out to leave him in privacy, but I wondered which essay had touched him oh, so deeply. Wow! Um, and so we think that because even Sister Matilda and I, we know many of the young adults that we know all of them, mm-hmm. and so we had a sense of their stories. But as we read their stories for the first time, we were very touched as well because they share so intimately and personally. Mm-hmm in their stories and we learned things about them that we didn't know and I think that that's the experience of the reader as a collection of essays 
we see a, a breadth of experiences. Right. They're so different. Each story is so different. But the one thing that ties them together is they're all finding God in their own context. Yes. And it's good because you do, like you said, you have, you know, maybe a young person that's single, maybe a, a young, I think there's a couple, mm-hmm. there's people who are discerning religious life. And so there's a little bit for everybody. I'm, I'm purposely not asking you to share any of the stories because I want people to go and get the book and they can read it themselves. Um, uh, so we're going to leave it there. But it's been so good to have you finally. I know Sister and I have been talking about um, getting you on the show to talk about the book for several months now. Um, so I'm glad that you could finally come and that, uh, Vanessa, I understand that you're leaving Faith Connections, but you're moving, you're still with the Sisters of St. Joseph, but you're moving on to something else. So thank you for the years of service, more than 10, I understand, and uh, more more work to be done in your in, in the n- this next step of your life. Thank you, Pedro. And if people want the book, they can visit our website at www.faithconnections.ca and go to the spiritual tool section under books. Absolutely. So thank you, Sister Mactilde O'Mara. She's a sister of St. Joseph, and she's the ministry director for Faith Connections, which is a young adult Catholic ministry sponsored by the Sisters of St. Joseph in Toronto, and Vanessa Nicholas-Schmidt. She was the program director for Faith Connections for over a decade. Together, they collected and edited the stories that comprise portraits of faith. And you can learn more about Faith Connections at that website, faithconnections.ca. And the book, Portraits of Faith, is published by Novalis. So thank you to Joe Sinisak, the publisher. And here now is our featured band of the week, The Thirsting, with their song, Once is a Lifetime, from their new album, Universal Youth. That was The Thirsting with their song Once is a Lifetime from their new album, Universal Youth. The Thirsting is a Catholic rock band from Portland, Oregon. On their website, it says that 
They proclaim the truths of the Catholic faith from confession and the Eucharist to the Trinity and Mary. They basically use three words, rosary, Eucharist, and Catholic Church. I guess that's four words to describe their mission. But as you can see from the music that we've been listening to, it's not what you would call devotional or religious music. I mean, they're a rock band. And to tell us more, I am very happy to welcome band leader Daniel Oberreuter to our program. Daniel, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes, good to have you. And I'm, I'm always excited to meet new groups, new bands. Can you tell me a little bit about how the band got started? Well, I, I started the band um, back in the mid-2000s. I just really saw a need for... Um, good Catholic music with lyrics that were solidly Catholic, you know, lyrics that weren't watered down in any way. Um, and so I, I formed the band and uh, been going ever since. Did you, did you feel, I mean, obviously you were Catholic, you were, you know, practicing your faith um, and you were already doing music. Did you feel that there was a need for that, that kind of music? I mean, that you would call Catholic? Oh, yeah. yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, our, our Protestant brothers and sisters, they do a, a very good job at uh, doing, making music that is relevant to you know, youth and young adults in all ages, that, that is uh, contemporary, that relates to our culture, especially right. here in America, which is saturated with music. Yeah. And so um, why not have a Catholic band that does that? But a Catholic band that's not afraid to, to speak boldly about the truth, a Catholic band that doesn't water down the lyrics. Right. You know? See, but see, yeah, I would not, not it's interesting because I would not describe your sound or your, your if I can say the style, it's not praise and worship. I mean, it's not like what, what some of these praise and worship Protestant groups are doing. I mean, this is like, like rock. I mean, you're doing, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's not particularly liturgical. I mean, I don't know if any of your music is intended to be done in liturgy or in, in worship, but is it, is that what your intent was? Or is it more no, to communicate? I would say 90% of it is not in yeah. for the liturgy. I got a couple songs that sound great at Mass, but um, yeah. most of it, no. <laughs> no, exactly, right? So the purpose is a different, very different purpose. Right, right. Um, this is, um, I, I kind of joke around. It's kind of like if R.E.M., U2, and Green Day, yeah. they all had a massive conversion to the Catholic Church, you know, or Paramore, you know, they all got became Catholic and they got together. Those are my influences. This would be the kind of music, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, were you were you always religious? Were you always in the, in the church, or or did you go through a phase of of uh, kind of rejecting some of it, or a conversion experience, or anything like that? Well, grew up Catholic. Um, I don't. I never really rejected the faith. There was definitely a time in my life when I was in high school where I was just trying to figure things out and wading through things, and it wasn't formed very well. And um, I had never gone to confession, and, and so um, it wasn't until I was 16 that I went to my first confession, and that really changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and just I, I, my, my, the priest told me that my penance was to pray the rosary every day. And oh, wow. So I began to do that. <laughs> I'm still trying. It's well, that's well, three kids, but we, we try to do it every day. <laughs> Good for you. Um, yeah, I mean, clearly you have a devotion to the rosary. I was going to ask you because that's the three words... I mean, sorry, yet, yet, you know, the rosary is, it seems to be very important in what you're doing, you know, follow Jesus Christ through Mary, the rosary, the Eucharist, and the Catholic Church. Um, is that where that comes from, from that experience that you had with the rosary? Oh, for sure. The rosary is, yeah, definitely um, from that confession. Um, it's been just a huge part of my life. And then um, just reading about Our Lady, different Marian apparitions across the, the, the years, too, um, as I grew up, too, and just falling more in love with Our Lady and 
just really feeling I have a, a call to tell people about our Lord in the Eucharist and Our, and our Lady. And so um, the mission of the band, it's real simple, it's Rosary Eucharist Church. Right. We are here to promote the Rosary, the Eucharist, and the Catholic Church. Yeah, so yeah. that's what the Thirsting is all about. That's what I'm all about when I'm out on the road, when I'm doing music. I want to promote those three things. Right. How do you... Um, do, what do you say to people that maybe challenge you and say, well, how you, how can you inspire young people to follow Jesus Christ through Mary, the, the Rosary, the Eucharist, and the, you know, and the Catholic Church using rock music? Oh, well, the music is a tool, it's an avenue um, to get the message across. It's, it's a way to meet people where they are at. Mm-hmm. So once you can meet people where they are at, you know, we all like different things that speak to us. And so just to those that speak you know, like rock music, um, then then you take them the next the, to the next step further. Right. You know, with the Catholic lyrics, you know, people are listening to music nonstop these days. Yes. So, if you can have a Catholic lyric going into your head nonstop, that's just basic. You know, they can have words of the devil going into their head nonstop through secular music, right? Or they can have words of of a Catholic musician in the Catholic Church and you know going through their head. So that's just like a basic level of using music as a tool. And yeah. then when, when I do my concerts and stuff, then I really can evangelize and tell people about the church and Absolutely. In, in my talks and stuff. Absolutely. Where do you get the name The Thirsting? What does that refer to? Well, it, it came... Um, originally, we were Thirst, and then there was another uh-huh. band that we found out called Thirst. And, and then we came up with the idea of The Thirsting, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of spawns from Mother Teresa. I had a devotion yes. to her. Uh, in my I, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I thirst. Yeah, I thirst. Yeah, that's our Lord. Is, and it's real awesome with the thirsting. It's, it's like God is thirsting for us, and we are thirsting for him. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're all the thirsting. So. Yeah, no, and that's a crazy idea that God is thirsting for us, but, uh, but I love it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so you, this is your second album that we've been listening to, Universal Youth. Why? I know you were at World Youth Day, and I'm, of course, I think Universal Youth. I think World Youth Day. Actually, by the way, how was that experience? You were in Krakow. Um, oh, it was great. We were very blessed. We got to play on the main stage. Yeah, on Borneo Park. Park. Yeah. Was it yeah. was it your first World Youth Day? It was actually. Yeah. What a yeah. great opportunity. Yeah, we were there. I yeah. wasn't at Borneo Park, but we were there. Um, um, it, I, I think Universal Youth. Of, I think of something like World Youth Day. Is that sort of what the the name refers to, or what's what was your hope with that album, Universal Youth? You know, my hope with that album, Universal. Obviously, Catholic means universal. Yeah. So I wanted to play on that wording so that um, Catholics would hopefully get it and go, "Oh, Catholic youth. That's what he means." Uh, and for non-Catholics, would go, uh, "What is this?" And, you know, not be not be taken aback by it, and but you know. Not, not to say, oh, this is religious music, and throw it out the door, but say, well, okay, Universal Youth, that doesn't say anything. So it's kind of, I was trying to play both sides. And I so see. Our song, Universal Youth, Yes. it's really, you know, some of the lyrics are like, it says, Universal Revolution. I mean, I'm basically saying Catholic Revolution. Yeah, I get it. Good. Yeah, no, that's a good uh, stealth way to get to get, to get get it in there. Um uh, I know that you're working on a new album. I don't know how much you can tell me, but I'm hoping that uh, when it comes out, you let us know so we can uh, have an excuse to have you back on the program. Yeah, the best way, this is for you, for you and, and for everyone, is you, what you want to do right now is just, you can get on my mailing list and I'll give you Universal Youth for free to anyone listening right now. Is if you text the yes. word Catholic to 31996, that's Catholic, 
to 31996. You'll, you'll get a little message back that's going to ask for your email. And when you put your email address in there, um, I'll email you a full album, Universal Youth, that full album. And then okay. um, uh, that'll keep us in touch, too. And, and then once I finish the, 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 our next album, which I'm working on right now, I, it's, it's either going to be done this fall or, or at least by January. Um, we'll do a release date somewhere. We'll do a pre-release and all that kind of stuff. Either right. this fall or somewhere around Christmas time. Okay, so that's a good... We'll that's, have a new album released. That, that's good. That was very very clever of you to get. I was going to tell people about you know texting uh, to 31996 a little later, but that's good. So if people want to find out more about the band, uh, to get on their mailing list and find out more about the new album, and at the same time get a free download of the album Universal Youth, um, it's very easy. You text the word Catholic to 31996. 31996. I'm actually going to put that on our website as well, so in case people can't remember. 31996. Text it right now. Text the word Catholic, um, and you're going to get uh, on the mailing list, album. and you'll get the whole album. So that's a great offer. Thank you, Daniel. That's a good place to, to end. Um, but I, I have a feeling that we'll uh, get be talking again uh, soon. Thank you for oh, what wonderful. you do. Well, thanks so much for having me. And uh, yeah, anytime. We'll definitely when we get that when we get that new album out, we'll great. We'll get together too. Yes. Okay. God bless. Okay. God bless you. That was Daniel Oberreuter, lead singer for the band The Thirsting. You can find out more about them, book them for your event, and purchase their music at their website, thethirstingcatholic.com. And of course, I'm going to say again: if you text the word Catholic to three one nine nine six. You can get a free copy of that album. Here now is The Thirsting with Stepping Into the Day from their new album, Universal Youth. Listening to The Thirsting with Stepping Into the Day from their new album, Universal Youth. And that will take us to the end of the program. Now remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream our podcast, all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org radio. And that's also where you can learn about all featured artists and guests. That's also where you can find out all about our work here at Salt and Light. And learn how you can support our ministry. Yep, by becoming a monthly donor through our Guardians program. And remember that we can now receive donations from the United States, so go to saltandlighttv.org to learn more. Remember to write to us and tell us what you think of Pope Francis now in his fourth year of papacy. You can write to me via Facebook or Twitter, Deacon Pedro. Send questions for Church for Dummies to Billy at Bijo Chan. And you can also reach me, Emily Callen, on Twitter at Emmy Callen. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro. And I'm Emily Callen. And this has been the, the Salt, Salt and Light, Light Hour. Hour.
into the 